right? I can tell you that the more I drove whatever that thing was, the more messed up it became. And since a lot of those things kind of have a spiritual gas pedal, the more need I felt to control them, the harder I pushed on that gas pedal and the faster things got messed up until finally whatever that thing was, I just ran it into a tree. And sitting there in the smoking ashes and wreck of whatever it was, I remembered, okay, I tried it my way. Maybe I should try it yours. When I talk about surrender, I'm not talking about surrendering to another human being. I'm talking about putting things back according to their intention, according to their design. The truth is, if I took control, I stole control from its owner. That's how things got messed up. And God bless us all. We use this metaphor here because we know what it feels like. You know when you lean back too far in a chair and it's about to go over? You know that feeling? That forces you to quick reach out and grip? Well, trauma does that to us. You know, we've given control to people who we should have been able to trust and they weren't trustworthy. They hurt us, twisted things, used us to get something. It wounded us. And so just like when we lean back too far in that chair, what we're feeling that causes us to reach out like that is fear. It's a moment of fear. And it, the response that's going on is a fight response. Grip it. But the more you grip it, the worse it gets. And I will tell you that at first, I was used to the dysfunction. You know, we kind of make friends with it. I don't know how to explain that. But it's like the evil we know versus the one we don't. I'd rather just live in this dysfunction than open the door to some other dysfunction. But like I said, most of us get to this point either because we have run this car into a tree or life has handed us the contradiction to our mistaken belief about things. Sometimes it comes in the form of a diagnosis from a doctor that's not good. Sometimes it comes in the midst of financial disaster, the death of a cherished loved one, Something that reminds us how small we are in the scope of things in this life that are just bigger than us. And so at first, when I gave off control, and I'm not saying this because I got something right. Man, I'm doing me. You're doing you. At first, it felt like subtraction because it felt like things were out of control. But over time, what I've learned is that if I can just put these things into the hands of God, 
what happens isn't subtraction. It's this crazy multiplication. I can't make things grow. It's not in me. But if I can give things to God, God can make them grow. Isaiah reminds us of something that I just want us to sit in for a minute. We are not our own. Now that has a good side and it has a terrifying side. I had somebody who really wanted to do me harm. It happens sometimes. Basically explained to me the harm that he was going to do. And my response was simply, buddy, I'm not my own. And when I say that, I'm not playing. I'm owned. And you may deal with me today, but sooner or later, you're going to deal with the owner. And I found some peace in that. Crazy thing is, yeah, he, he carried through on his threat. Just didn't get anywhere. Because I'm not my own. So there's comfort in that. But it's also terrifying. What do you mean I'm not my own? I'm not the hero of this story. See, God says to Israel, that's you and me, that I have chosen you. If you're sitting here today, you might think it's an accident. You might think it's a choice you made. I don't. It says, I, the word is actually ransomed. I paid a price for you. I bought you back. And then he says, God says, you are mine. We are not in charge here. And the more that we try to be in charge of the most important things in our life, the more dysfunctional we become. The more our relationships fall apart. The more we try to control things the more we simply repel the people who mean the most to us. Dysfunctional. Everything that I have ever fully given to God, God has given back to me the way it was intended to be. For a while, I lived under the illusion that they were my kids. I even said that multiple times. My kid doesn't do that. And then God convicted me the hard way that they're not my kids. They're God's kids. We dedicated them, remember? And then many of them were baptized, stepped into the water, gave their life to Christ. We are not the author of their story. We're a part of the ink that God is writing with. God is the author. And God is the owner. We're just the agents. Relationships. 
I can tell you about the debris in my life before I met my wife, but it would change your opinion of me, so I'm not going to. I'm not that person anymore, thank you, Jesus, but I was. Still making amends for a lot of it. It really wasn't until I just came to my end in that category and said, I tried it my way, it didn't work. So now I'm willing to try it yours. And I stopped asking God to give me, give me, give me, and started asking God to make me worthy, worthy, worthy. Make me worthy of the person that you are preparing me for. That changed everything. My wife will tell you, not everything. Because we're still growing. But it's crazy how much fruit gets born in the primary relationships of our lives when we stop trying to control them and start looking for the hand of God in the midst of them. Instead of looking for my good, my way, looking for those footprints of God's goodness, the places where God is at work in your relationship, moving it towards its purpose. And I'll tell you something. The great marriages have a purpose beyond themselves. The marriage itself, when given to Christ, becomes an agent of healing for people all around it. If we can give it to God, God can do amazing things. How about our career? Got to go make a name for ourselves, right? I hate to break it to you folks, but your job doesn't care about you. You walk off that job, they'll find another one looks just like you within 48 hours. That's just real. But if you can give your work life to God, then God can place you where God can use you to do God's work. Now, here's the crazy part. You may find yourself in a job you hate. But if we can give that situation to God, maybe we can see why it is that God has placed us there. Finances. I, I joke about this. It's like, in, in our culture, man, you want to know where your faith life is? It's look in your checkbook. Where's your money going? It's just, that's just the way our culture is. It was the last vestige of control for me. I mean, it was like, all right, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put my right foot in. You can have that shoe. Just don't take the other one. And then something happens, and it's like, oh, man, got my shoe. Just, you can have my time, Lord, but, but not my wallet, because, you know, it's got pictures in it and all that. And then it's like, oh, got my wallet. Just not my pickup truck, Lord. Just don't take my pickup truck. You gave it to me. Don't take it. Oh, got my pickup truck. And then it was the motorcycle. 
Don't take that bike, Lord. And I just realized that it's amazing what God can do if you just give it to him. It puts it in the right perspective. If I lose that, I'm not lost. It's not mine, it's his. Everything I have is his. It's crazy, though, how in the midst of our finances, if we give our finances over to God, we're no longer doing crazy making things about it. We lose the anxiety of it because it's not ours. It's his. Somebody rips me off. That was another incident. You know, somebody like, I see this all the time at the food pantry. Somebody steals something. Oh, and it makes me mad. And then I realize it's not mine. I'd rather have me mad at you than God mad at you. That can't bless you. Are you kidding me? You got an extra steak. Great. It's not going to bless you. Our kids, our missions, our ministries. We are not the author of these things. We are merely the author's ink. We are not the owner. We're the agent. So find comfort in knowing that you are not your own. And in that ownership, you are protected. No one can do you harm without going through God to get there. The slide says two movements. And I want to move out of the law. Look, you don't have to believe anything I told you. You can keep going on controlling. At some point, though, the question's going to come up, how's that working for you? That's the law, right? It's just what is. That which you can release to God will multiply in its blessings. But I want to read another passage because we need to go deeper. It's about us, but it's also not about us. One of the most poignant examples um, of Jesus fleshing out surrender. There, in fact, I would say that there really isn't a more poignant rendering of what surrender looks like anywhere in Scripture than in this intimate encounter between Jesus and God, this deep conversation between Jesus and God on the eve of his execution. There were strategies at work that the human Jesus just couldn't see. God has purposed Jesus' life in a way that he can't see the good in it. And we see for a flashing moment the human side of Jesus. Because he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from my hand. And then it's almost as if he catches himself as if he remembers gravity and says, yet not my will, but yours be done. Many of us know the Lord's Prayer. We say it. I know I say it when I'm in traffic and somebody cuts me off on earth as it is in heaven because people don't do that in heaven. Just kidding. Probably do. 
Not my will, but your will be done. In the same way that God purposed Jesus' life for something that he couldn't see, something beyond the horizon of his understanding, he prepared him through the entirety of his walk to fulfill that purpose. Now look, some of you are sitting in unbearable situations, and I know that. Some of you are terrified because there is some element of your life that is not in your control. But today, I invite you to consider the possibility that you are being prepared for a purpose that you do not yet understand. That you may be called to something or through something that is excruciating. That you were born for, called for, chosen for, that you are being prepared for, that you cannot yet see. Not my will, Lord, but yours. I joke about, you know, the pickup truck and that stuff, but man, there are things I didn't want to see. Now I can't unsee them. There are parts of this work that I don't want to do because I know they're going to change me. And I don't want to be changed that way. There are pains in this mission field that I don't want any part of. I just don't. And if you don't think I have those conversations with God, you're just wrong. I do. Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to places where I'm hated. And there are places like that. I don't want to go into rooms where a child is going to die because I don't want to see that and I don't want to feel that. I don't want to go into streets where violence and drugs and prostitution rule because I just don't want to know that. Yet, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. And if I go into those things trying to control them, what difference am I going to make? None. Can I cure addiction? No. Can I heal the wound in the heart of a broken human being? Not a chance. Can I stop a bullet? Well, temporarily. There's just the gravity of things. I can't control it. But I can give it to God who owns it. Not my will, but his will. We're going to have about five minutes together today to sit in this. Because the way Jesus says it, it sounds kind of like a zero-sum game. Do you know what a zero-sum game is? That's where, like, it's all or nothing. It's not kind of a, either, you know, it's like a little of this. or It's not a la carte. It's you get the meal or you don't. Okay? The way he says it is not my will, 
but your will. Not like some of mine and some of yours. Let me pick and choose. He says, not my will, but your will. So today, is it your will in that thing that's troubling you? That thing that scares you to death? Is it the outcome you want? Or does God have a purpose for you in it that can only bear fruit if his will is done in it? So here's my question as you find somebody you can talk to. How is God speaking to you today in this? It's hard. Maybe you're in a situation in your marriage where it's not where it ought to be. Maybe you're struggling with your kid. And we forget that our kid isn't our kid. Our kid is his kid. It's his kid too. Maybe you're struggling with your parent. Your idiot dad. Shoe fits, right? So take a minute. And just, where is God? Share where God is speaking to you. Where are you finding your encouragement? Where are you finding your hope in the midst of the gravity of, is it our will or God's will? Take a minute. No matter what mess you're in, no matter what dark space you find yourself in today, these words are true. God's in there with you. And if we can find that spiritual courage to say, I'm going to give you this mess, just as it is, and hope you can do something with it, that's where our hope is. In Jesus' name, amen.